my boss at the Journal Star used to do the the Lumberg thing, you know, where he would come up and say, yeah, can I see your sales numbers for the day? But I, I always thought to myself, man, if this guy is running this big of a company, like I can do that. From Grindstone Media, this is Nebraska Made, a narrative journey through the lives of Nebraska's most inspiring business leaders. We unpack the intimate details of how our guests navigated obstacles and built their companies in pursuit of the good life. I'm JT Martin, and today we hear from Eric Dinger, the founder of Powderhook, a mobile app that's mission is to create accessible hunting and fishing opportunities for all. So Eric Dinger is a 40-year-old UNL graduate living in Lincoln, Nebraska, who has an interesting story. When he started building businesses, it was 2003, and there were only a handful of young, notable entrepreneurs in Lincoln at the time. It was very uncommon for a young man to own his own business. But time and time again, he found ways to solve business problems with practical solutions until he ended up with one of the most downloaded mobile apps in Nebraska history. First 15 years of my life were in South Dakota. Uh, My first business I started when I was 12. It was a pheasant cleaning business, which foreshadows the last business I started. We made one of those pieces of paper where you cut the phone number at the bottom. In this case, it was my sister and I, we would clean your pheasants for $2.50 and freeze them, which now that I'm you know, of age to pay somebody to do that, it seems like a huge bargain. So, <laughs> so, do you still clean your birds? I still do, yep. Wow. But the thought crosses my mind every time I do it that there's some sucker 12-year-old out there somewhere <laughs> that would probably love the 250. The exit strategy of that business was uh, I was going to the Alco, which only very small-town Midwestern kids would know what an Alco is. <laughs> And uh, on the way in, I was going to buy some fishing lures. And on the way in, I dropped my wallet. It had $330 in it or something like that. And I never got it back. And that is how it goes in business sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> my parents did Amway as kids. And I remember listening to like Bill Britt and Jay, Van a- Jay Rich Van Andel or Jay DeVo- Rich DeVos or something like that. All these like Amway tapes my dad had, I would steal them and stay up late when I was supposed to be in bed and listen to them. Cause I just thought it was so cool what they did that like they were building businesses and they were getting people fired up about working for themselves. And, and it wasn't until, you know, all these years later, now 18 years of owning a business later, I realized that the seeds for that came from those Amway tapes in the trailer house. <laughs> I started my first company. I was interning at the Lincoln journal star. My job was to cold call doctors, dentists, lawyers, uh, and try and figure out how to get them to advertise in the newspaper. Well, uh, the newspaper, Journal Star at that time, didn't have a digital product. So we created something called like business services. And it was like a ribbon, a banner ad on the Journal Star's homepage, which was like the first ads that they had. And my job was to go get doctors, dentists, and lawyers to advertise on that ribbon. But this is 2002, probably by this point. The vast majority of businesses in Lincoln didn't have a website. And so the way my first company started was in order to get them to buy the ads, I would build them a website. I had taught myself to use Dreamweaver and Photoshop and Illustrator, and I would literally go hack them together a crappy little website, you know, maybe even make them a logo or something because, you know, a lot of these doctor's offices and stuff just would write their names on their door or whatever. And so 
Well, that started to work really well, and I ended up selling quite a bit at the Journal Star. And um, I don't, I don't know that I ever heard this story, but I busted the budget, or for some reason they took me off of straight commission and decided to put me on hourly, and I got about an eighth of the paycheck I thought I was going to get, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I found out. And so um, I needed to leave because I needed more money than I was making, and so I went back to the couple of people who along the way had asked me to do their website or build a newsletter for them or do a logo for them who had all at some varying level offered to pay. And I went back to those people and one of them said, I'll pay you $500 a month. And the other one said, I'll pay you a thousand dollars a month if you'll just do all of this stuff for me. So it's 2003 and Eric officially has his own business with paying clients. And all of this was at a time when there weren't many young people working for themselves in Nebraska. The only real notable young entrepreneurs were maybe Clint Runge, Steve Keen, and now Eric Dinger. And really the idea of entrepreneurship and modern tech hadn't taken hold yet in the Midwest. There was no Silicon Prairie, no Nebraska Innovation Campus, none of that. What were your inspirations for being an entrepreneur? Did you look at people in New York City or venture capital firms, or who did you see that you were like, wow, yeah, we want to be the next Silicon Valley. That wasn't even a thing back then. You know, at that time, there was no, there was no venture capital in my head. And our company ended up becoming an ad agency. But when I started it, I had never even heard of the ad agency business model. I had never been in an ad agency. I didn't know anybody that worked for an ad agency. I opened the phone book and looked up what marketing companies were called, because that's what I thought I was starting and it was Bailey Lowerman and associates and Swanson Russell and associates. And I didn't have any associates, but it seemed like Dinger and associates would be the way to start. And so that's what I called the first, that was the first name of my business. I'll never forget um, the day that was my last day at that company, a client out of Omaha had hired an NFL football player to model for their website. So we did a photo shoot of, of that guy and we were launching this product. I remember that night, the client calling me and just chewing my ass because in the creative brief, the, the guy needed to look like he just got off the field. And one of the things in the brief was that he needed to have eye black on and he didn't in the, in the version of the website that was set to go live in the morning, he didn't have eye black on. And that, that level of detail was how this person at this company worked. And I just remember thinking to myself, my God, that is so derivative. It is so like far from the realm of the kind of conversations that I want to have every day that that was just a really good example of like, all right, it's time for you to do something different. It's pretty common to hear about burnout with entrepreneurs in a service industry like Eric's marketing agency. You start a business, working with clients that you love, doing work that you love, but then things get away from you, and then you're at the mercy of your clients. So in 2013, Eric sold his first business. He sold for a good amount of cash to an executive at another marketing firm here in Lincoln who's still running it to this day under the name Agent. From the money he made off of the sale, Eric had about a five-year runway of income to figure out what he wanted to do next. After selling the first business, um, did what I think is a, a, a thing that... I'll remember finally and would recommend to other people. And that is I took a couple of months off. And instead of lounging around and doing nothing, I set out to have 30 conversations with people that I respected. And I got all kinds of different advice. It would shock you if you asked 
you know, 20 people you respect the same question, how different the advice would be. But uh, I'll never forget Kimberly Rath. Um, she said, well, if, if you're going to solve a problem that matters to you, how are you going to pick that problem? And I was like, I, I don't know. You know, I love growing businesses. I enjoy business development. I like meeting and being around people. And she said, now what, what magazine would you buy in the airport? And I said, Inc. or Entrepreneur or Fast Company or whatever. She's like, no, no, no. If it wasn't a business magazine, what would you buy? And I said, I'd buy Outdoor Life. And she said, all right, so go buy Outdoor Life and read it and figure out if there's a problem in that magazine that you'd you think you'd be able to solve. And so lo and behold, go and buy the Outdoor Life magazine and uh, a man, the editor-in-chief uh, named Andrew McKean uh, had a column called Open Country. And Open Country was his sort of manifesto, if you will, of this is the problem. Like, people, look, here's the, here's the issue. A lot of it had to do with access. You know, the idea of it being really, really hard to find a place to hunt struck me as something you could apply a business model like a marketplace to and solve. And so uh, that's how I ended up with Powderhook. The, the day we made the decision, my wife helped pick the name. And the very next day, I was calling people trying to figure out how in the world to get going in the outdoor industry. Wow. And how did she come up with Powderhook? <laughs> she was on the treadmill. Uh -huh. um, I said, so when I say uh, gun, what do you say? And she said, powder. And I said, okay, if I say fish, what do you say? And she said, hook. And, you know, my old company had gotten paid, you know, $30,000, $40,000 to name and brand something time and time again. This time it was like four minutes and the name was done, Powder Hook. So Eric did all of the Google searches, all the Secretary of State searches, and it turns out that Powder Hook was a proper noun that did not exist anywhere else. So he was in business. He bought the domains and thus Powderhook was born. Eric had all the capital to get started. He had the people in his corner who were passionate about helping him make this thing into a reality. But it takes more than just a good idea to make a business work. The outdoor industry at that time was just hankering for somebody to step up and try to solve that problem. And so it was very easy for me to take what we adopted as our mission statement, which was access for all. And Access for all means to me that regardless of who you are, you should be able to have a great day outside in this country. And so everybody we called in the industry, if, if you hunt or fish, um, you know, I could rattle off 15 names you would know really well that all jumped at the chance to get in and work with us and, and make an effort at solving that problem. What was your first office like? Um, I got a really rare disease from my first powder hook office called oh, no. sarcoidosis. I lost like 30 pounds. I got super sick because it was full of mold. Oh, and so, no. <laughs> so I won't name the landlord, but uh, they're still dear friends. But um, yeah, we, we started in a dump. I mean, yeah. and I was funding everything at first. And so, you know, I could work in a gopher hole, honestly. So, huh. um, so you've literally given your body for this company. Yeah, yeah. So you're not wrong. Were your friends and family supportive at this point? Um, you know, my name was on Powderhook in that, you know, I was the guy, the, the founder, the CEO. Um, but in every possible way, that was a family effort. And not one time in the entire time we struggled. I mean, we had, at one point, we had two mortgages on our house, two mortgages on a house we had bought for a family member. 
We were on credit cards. I was paying payroll out of like, <laughs> just out of the ether. Like, I, I, you know, this is something a lot of entrepreneurs will, will relate to, but it is amazing how you can manufacture just exactly what you need to make payroll when you're struggling like that. And not once did my wife, Stephanie, who's a business banker here in town, not one time did she waver. And so I can't say that's true of my extended family and, and people in the industry. Eric doesn't sugarcoat the ups and the downs in his business. He's even referred to Powderhook as being a dumpster fire behind Walmart at times. It came to the point one day where he decided that he had to turn his entire business strategy upside down and start over. He had already sold investors on a particular business model, but now he would have to tell them and his employees that changes needed to be made. It turned out that there were many nuances to accessing private land for hunting and how they were approaching them were just flat wrong. So three years later and a few million dollars later, he found himself starting over. I remember I went to the National Wild Turkey Federation convention in, in Nashville, Tennessee, and the guys that ran that organization were good friends or had become, you know, industry good friends at the time. And I was sitting there telling them what we were going to do next, and it just hit me. It was like it was a deep blow. In, in you know, you're sitting there talking about what you're supposed to be excited about, and in my mind, I'm like, I love these guys too much to tell them anything but the straight sugar, like it's straight. I said, guys, this isn't going to work. I, I know we both, we all want it to work. We really need it to, but the mechanics aren't there. And I spoke to them very candidly about it. And um, the CMO of NWTF at the time said, well, have you ever built an app? No, we hadn't. But you recall my first company, I had never built a website, but I just went and learned. And so I was too dumb to say no, or maybe just the right amount of opportunistic to say, yes, we'll figure out how to build you an app and came back to the team and literally a team that was building a marketplace web-based product, chucked out an app in two and a half months. I mean, we worked 39 straight days all day, every day. And that was literally the pivot. Okay. So he went from being a marketplace where people with private land could have people come and hunt on it to an app where hunters can kind of connect and share knowledge. So over the span of the next three years, we built the largest mentoring program ever created in the outdoor industry. So our, you know, same mission, access for all. But what we found out was that people were never going to provide, at least under the, under the way we built it, they were never going to let strangers come on their land. But if you could get a person who already had access to bring more people, you could solve the access problem through them in a different way. You know, the, the little mini talking point of we'd built the largest mentoring program ever in the outdoor industry, that made me feel like, okay, what I set out to build in pursuit of solving this problem isn't what we built, but we were still very much in that vein and still very much trying to do right by the thing I love, which is the outdoors. And so ultimately I would call Powderhook a success in that we really did change the conversation in the outdoor industry. Powder Oak's new mentorship model solved their original problem by encouraging hunters to help each other out of generosity and love for the sport. They were able to monetize them by creating this marketing backend that leveraged what's called an earned native advertising model, where outdoor brands could incentivize hunters to share their knowledge, and then they would include a little line at the bottom of the post with a sponsored message. This was completely different from the first business model, but it worked. What about starting this business in Nebraska do you feel like gave you an, an advantage? 
where Nebraska really helped me is in my first company, I, I think I had along the way done right by as many people as I possibly could. Um, I had treated people like I valued them because I did. And when I went back to a lot of those people with uh, you know, the idea to invest in, in this next thing I was doing, time and time again, I would hear, we're investing in the person you know, we're investing in the horse or, or in the jockey, not necessarily the horse or the race. And I think that's a huge testament to what it means to grow a business in a place. Because if you have those relationships and you take care of those people, you can go back to them. It's also a reflection of where we're at in Nebraska relative to a place like Silicon Valley, where maybe those same relationships all are in venture capital and are all in the business of making big series a bets on companies like you wish to start and so uh in in many ways nebraska was the only place i could start this business because it was the place i had those relationships what advice would you give a young entrepreneur growing up in nebraska i think uh we made a great run at powderhook and we we in many ways changed the entire culture of the outdoor and of the hunting industry um, or were part of changing it anyway. Um, so I don't regret any of what we did. Um, I think our work had tremendous impact. Um, but man, if you could go back and say, you know, I, I should have gotten to this milestone before I raised this money or I should have waited to hire those three people until we hit that milestone. Um, there's so much wisdom that comes from getting your ass handed to you a few times that you know, uh, there's a lot to learn from that. You have to drop your wallet a couple times in the parking lot real, to learn right? these lessons. Yeah, For real. Eric's been credited with inspiring a lot of the innovation and entrepreneurialism in Lincoln, and he says that he isn't done yet. I'm JT Martin, and this has been a Grindstone production. Grindstone is one of the premier production and marketing firms here in Lincoln, offering everything you need to grow your business in 2020, from video and podcast production to social media management and media buying. You can learn more by visiting grindstoneagency.com. You know, Nebraska rides under the radar and a lot of people think that this is flyover country, but man, I take a farm kid with a work ethic and some good ideas all day, every day into whatever fight you wanted to have.